0: You're
1: listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity. In infinite combinations. My name is Grace. Thank you for tuning in. With me today is my my future and past friends, Sue. Oh, me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and Jera. Wah!
2: Wah! <laughs> <laughs> wah! Wah! Uh, yes,
1: past Jera. Hush, hush, my child. Hush. And know that the future holds better things.
2: Better things. You probably have not figured out what we're gonna talk about today, (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) And that just makes it better, honestly.
0: Presumably you've seen the episode title. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's a good thing. We would assume, unless you've got this on shuffle, in which case you're in for a wild ride. (laughs) So before we get into our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do first. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. We love our patrons so much. We've revamped our Patreon tiers for the new year bringing in some new rewards like exclusive Women at Warp merch. So if you've ever thought about checking out our Patreon, now's the perfect time. 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 We really appreciate the support either way. Please check us out. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash women at warp. In fact, today's episode was selected by one of our patrons. We've got quite a few to get to, but don't worry. We're working through them all. We love getting your suggestions and we love seeing what we can do with them. This episode is also b- brought to you by Text Expander. a little more on them later. We've also got our Tee Public store for t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, masks, and more at teepublic.com forward slash stores forward slash women at warp. We're regularly curating new designs. I'd, I'd say we've got some quality ones up there, and I'm not just saying that because I, I did a few of them. Woo. Team Tuvix! <laughs> Team Tuvix! Yes. I think we're still, we're still at the point of Tuvix out, ha- having outsold Team Janeway, so... <laughs> That's where the universe stands right now, I think. All of these links are also going to be available um, on our website, womenatwarp.com. And
2: finally, we have a birthday shout out! Which is one of our new patron rewards. This is the first one we get to do. We're super excited. Yay! So we want to wish a happy birthday to our patron, Gray. Woo! Our
0: skies
1: are never gray with you around.
0: Yes. Happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. Disney owns this tune, so I'm gonna stop singing it. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Better stop it soon. <laughs> Gray, I hope that your birthday is T Earl you Hot. Yay! <laughs> wow. That was quality. But seriously, happy birthday uh coming up on February 15th, and looking forward to, to doing more of, of these birthday greetings. For now, say to Gray that hopefully your year ahead is better as it probably should hopefully be than last year. And we are, our, our year is already looking better because you're in it. Oh,
1: and that's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, then this episode was a Patreon request from our patron, Susan. Now, would
2: um, anyone like to give the email from her a read? Sure. So um, I think we'll probably read a couple different parts at a couple different times, but starting out by saying that Susan had a really great argument for why we should talk about the voyager episode before and after and she says i do have memories they just don't correspond with anyone else's is the kes version of if there's not something wrong with me there must be something wrong with the universe before and after may be my favorite voyager episode and kes is one of my favorite and possibly most and interesting characters in trek while i'm sad they didn't use her to the fullest either the interesting character or outstanding actress we have at least several fab episodes in which to explore both. And then she lays out a whole bunch of awesome themes that this episode touches on, so I feel like we should maybe go through some of those.
0: <laughs> so to, to jog your memory, Before and After is the Voyager episode that begins with Kess as an old woman waking up in sickbay and not knowing who or where she is or what's going on. And throughout the episode, she jumps backwards in time to earlier points in her life and I guess memento style right sort of has to figure out what's going on and why to to solve this mystery so we see her as a very old woman and then she starts jumping a few weeks and then a few months and then years at a time and I think that that basically sums up the gist of it without spending a ton of time on a recap that's just about that's about it yeah I mean this is not a a new concept for Star Trek right this this I'm in a strange place and things are different and I gotta figure out this mystery. We've got the the one that, that Susan pointed out in her suggestion that it parallels Remember Me. But yeah also it has some, some similarities with All Good Things, the, the TNG finale, with Future Imperfect, where Riker's in the Romulan or the, the kid simulation. He's not a Romulan. That's just another simulation within the simulation. There's parallels the Wharf episode where he gets dizzy every time he jumps between alternate universes. So there's there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we do definitely have a lot of different subtopics to talk over with this, which is, on one hand, really cool, because we get to see Kes be sort of the lead in this high-concept episode, which is cool, because I think in a lot of the examples we we were going over just now, there aren't a lot of lady-led ones. I think we've got the one with Crusher and. That's about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe the one with Guinan also. But there's a ratio there is what I'm saying. Totally.
2: So one of the themes that Susan pulled out, which I just struck me off the top, is ageism, Mm
0: -hmm. which
2: I really noticed watching this because I hadn't actually thought about it as as a, you know, I hadn't thought about the connection to remember me and I hadn't thought about it as a thing about believing women and gaslighting and ageism. But then watching it with that lens, I was like, oh yeah, basically people don't believe her because she's old, and then they yeah. believe her because she's like, a, you know, adult, like younger to middle-aged adult, and then they stop believing her when she's super young again.
1: Yeah, It was just kind of like, who's,
2: sounds about who's right. trustworthy yeah. here, and who, who gets agency? Yeah.
1: yeah, one thing that I know a lot of uh, the older women in my family have brought up a lot is as they age they get paid attention to less just in terms of general attention and also there's a lot more of I don't know are you sure about that not like it's kind of a sort of pathway to that eventual stage of oh mom are you confused
2: mm-hmm. it's grandma it's grandma not know what's going on sort of condescension the moment that i think i was actually pretty appalled by on was along those lines was when paris who is her future husband and Linus, their daughter, are like fighting over whether they should extend her life, despite the quality of her life. And first of all, to me, it was like very unbelievable that you wouldn't have had that discussion before she turned nine. You know, yeah. like they're just banking on the doctor to come up with this cool theory. But at this point, like they're having this this debate in Paris is like, if we can keep your mother with us one more day, we have to do it. And she's like, she wouldn't want that. And, you know, and especially not now that she she appears to basically have dementia. And Mm -hmm. then, like, Kes is, like, trying to talk and she's like, yes, mother, like, what, tell us, what do you want? And it's like, why was that not your first question? Yeah. Yeah. And also, why are you asking it now?
0: As morbid as it sounds, like, general advice, make a death plan. Oh my gosh! Yes, everyone.
2: That's your advice
1: today from this fun, wacky Star Trek podcast. Uh Make a death plan. No, but
2: seriously. (laughs) Yeah, like I mean, I would be lying if I said this didn't make me me think about like my mom and my stepdad who resisted doing so until very recently, and then even more recently, like don't want to talk about it openly. And i like, yeah, okay, maybe this is a little bit too heavy for your Star Trek podcast topic, but (laughs) it just – when my dad passed away, he did talk about that all of us – or, like, with us super openly, and it really was super helpful when the time actually came. And it just is – I would hope that in, like, a more idealistic future, especially given that Kess literally knows her lifespan is nine years, Mm -hmm. and that, like, Noah Uh Combs has apparently lived to ten – that we've heard of, that, like, they would have had this discussion already. And it wouldn't be a fight between the, the surviving relatives or the the still mentally competent relatives, I guess, is what's depriving her of choice in this scene. So that they're perceiving her as, as unable to make those decisions. Shoot,
1: a to just have an end-of-life plan at – I mean, if you have a lifespan that short, I would think that would be such a big priority for them, wouldn't it? Yep. Or at least one that they would look into early on.
0: But she's also – what the first Okompan that we know of to really have left her home planet, right? Yeah. So maybe she's just used to a certain ritual. And because that's always been the way it's done, didn't think about it,
1: right? Yeah, you gotta wonder. There's just so much we don't see developed when we're talking about Okompan society tied in with the Okompan lifespan.
0: For real. I wanna <laughs> yeah. talk more about lifespan. But
2: <laughs> generally speaking though like they advise that you do it when you like when you have major life events like getting married and having a kid as well. So the fact that she mm-hmm. would get married and have a kid without anyone bringing that up is odd to me. Yeah. So it's, it's a little short-sighted definitely.
0: My parents will openly like joke about their will. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. you remark on something in their house, they'll be like, "Do you want it in the will?" <laughs> it's like, "Okay, calm down." <laughs> but my my grandfather passed last year and didn't leave a lot of, like, it left instructions about what he wanted, like, corporeally, I mm-hmm. guess, yep. mm-hmm. but not, like, account information mm-hmm. or, like, oh. lease information for his car or rental agreements for where he was living. So that my mom, in having to deal with that, I think that may have lit a fire under her butt to make sure that, like, their stuff is in order, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: and having to take care of that on on someone else's behalf, that can be incredibly stressful. And that can just kind of prolong the discomfort of the whole situation Mm -hmm. in a way. So
2: I do like how Kessa's grandson is like, listen to her. She's the smartest woman I know. And I'm like, yes, you go, grandson. I think he says person, doesn't he? yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. She's the smartest person I know, yeah, that sounds right. But yes. Grandson seems like a good kid.
1: I would have definitely taken some issue with finding out that a I married Tom Paris and B, I had a child who
2: who married Harry Kim yeah let's talk about that
1: yeah who's gonna be my child's dad's drinking buddy that is that puts off some alarms
0: just on the ageism thing I think we we do see that reflected that people don't listen when you're old people don't listen when you're young in workplaces, Mm -hmm. but also like I want to say in fandom I think it's a very common Mm -hmm. oh yeah for certain fans to dismiss the opinions of others especially people of marginalized genders by saying you're young, you're, your opinions will change. Mm-hmm. Or if yeah. you're young, you don't know what you want. Yeah. And like, F that.
1: <laughs> and with older people like, well, you're you're the old audience.
0: Yeah, this isn't for you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's for 18 to 34 year old white men. That's who it's no, for. <laughs> and
1: I, that, I always think of the Simpsons bit of where it's Lisa and Grandpa at the table. He's like, it's terrible being old. No one listens to you. And she's like, it's terrible being young. No one listens to you. And Homer just walks in. <laughs> I'm a white male, ages 18 to 34. Everybody listens to me. Uh,
0: Okay, yes. So lifespan. Let's talk about it.
2: (laughs) Good theme. Okay, so yeah, this is very, this is tied into the the Kes. So we get the Kes-Tom relationship, and then their daughter marries Harry, and they have a son in Kes's life. And it seems like, so she's supposed to be like four when this episode starts?
0: I spent way too much time researching this. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Because I couldn't wrap my head around it. This is what I found. I could have sworn to you that when Kes joined Voyager, they said she was about two years old. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, just like when I adopted sandwiches. Yes. (laughs) And like when they throw that birthday party
1: for her, don't they say she's like around like two years old?
2: Probably. In the
0: episode, when she's talking to the doctor, he says something like about Andrew. He says, you know, he's, he's not quite a year old. You were just a little bit older when we first met you. Ah, so that's...
1: That's even more unsettling. So
0: that doesn't line up. But also at the end of the episode, they say that she is three years and two months old. And this is at the end of the third season. Mm-hmm. So that just the, the age of Kess doesn't quite line up canonically. But if you look at the just the events in this episode and placing them like with the events we see later, like the year of hell, Mm -hmm. we get Kes being born in either 2369 or 2371, depending. Linus being born in 2374 and Andrew being born in 2378. So if you just take it internally in this episode, Kes would have been born in 2371, which would have made her about three years old when she had Linus and would make Linus about four years old when she had Andrew. So, when you've got species in Star Trek, I understand this is entirely like hypothetical and conceptual. Yeah. But when you've got species in Star Trek with such different lifespans, the question for me comes down to what is the age of consent? And then when yeah. there is an offspring like Linus, who is half a competent, half human, how does that affect her lifespan?
2: Yeah. Wouldn't that change? Uh, do they even know? Like, they may not know because they have no one else to compare it to.
0: Right. And then what is the age of consent in that case?
1: And also with the grandson, he's going to be only a quarter O comp. And how's that going to change exactly. it?
0: Like, it could just still be nine. But he's he's six months old and he looks like he's like 13, right? Gosh, yeah. I don't know. But you can extrapolate this out beyond this situation to humans and Vulcans.
2: Yeah, that's true. We've talked a little bit about the, the consent weirdness before around Kess and Neelix. And I guess Paris, you know, to some extent. I think that, you know, we we know that by the time that we see her, she, she would be – if you don't count the relative position of the other person, she would be capable of giving consent for a relationship. And where it becomes, like, more problematic is the fact that, you know, Neelix is, like, a bit controlling. Mm-hmm. Super controlling! You see him again in this episode not listening to her and, like – Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. But to me, like the weirder thing is the idea that you would end up marrying someone you saw as a baby. Like to me, that's the weirdest. Yeah, disconnect. that's just such
1: a creepy concept to me.
2: Like Paris has only known Kess since she's been old enough to consent,
1: and we have that on multiple levels in this episode. With yeah, Kess is marrying this guy who knew her when she was like one or two years old, and she's totally cool with her daughter marrying someone who who has known her her entire lifetime. I just, I'm so surprised with all of the stuff that Cass finds out, like, about her possible future in this, that we don't get, like, a Back to the Future Part 2, I got married at the chapel, oh,
2: love, moment of disgust, like, oh, no, (laughs) no, like, at all. Well, but then the what I was going to say is one of the other topics that Susan suggested was like Voyager as a generation ship and then the question is yes. so if you're if you're assuming people are going to and we talked about this uh, talking about elogium a, a little bit like, like Jamie talks about mm-hmm. pair off we we've mm-hmm. talked about why that's a little bit problematic
1: super mm-hmm. problematic
2: assuming some people will decide to have procreative relationships with others Linus wouldn't have a lot of options if you don't allow people that are, like, on human lifespans. Yeah. Be like, you aren't allowed to see her until she's an adult, so it's not weird. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, like, it it wouldn't, you know, then, like, also, is it valid to deprive her of the right to pair pair off with Harry because it's a little bit weird?
1: Well, I feel like when you get into that, you also have to stop and say – isn't it kind of the right of any one of the crew members of Voyager to if they reach a place that is habitable or like stopping over to say, "No, I would rather spend the rest of my life here than risk spending the rest of my life in deep space trying to get to a set destination." Mhm. Yeah. Wouldn't that be like the right of any offspring also?
2: Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, cuz they're
0: not Starfleet officers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're only they're only there by proxy.
0: Mhm. Mhm. I suppose you'd still have to observe the prime directive right you wouldn't want to sit down and try to to slide into a society that is is pre-warp but i feel like if we had seen voyager as a generation ship that purely speculation that janeway wouldn't want to be the one to stop people from leaving and settling
2: down if they wanted to yeah she let Amelia Earhart go, and her and Chakotay were going to let the whole crew stay there if they wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if her if her mind changed between then and this, that, that'd that be pretty weird. Oh gosh, that would ha- have to add a whole other layer of like having to say goodbye and letting your kids leave the nest if you knew you weren't ever going to see them again, possibly, wouldn't it? But I also feel like if Voyager was set up as a generation ship, they probably would have been a little more prepared for like being out in deep space for... In an unknown quantity of time.
2: Oh, for sure.
1: I would have. I would have hoped that they would have had more planning for that.
2: Yeah, I guess they were hoping to mine more tension from that than I think they actually ended up doing.
1: Yeah, I think you are right on that one.
2: It is an interesting idea. Still,
1: just the idea of pairing people off mm-hmm. and them being like, "Oh, let's let's think about this." That just there
0: are a few episodes where you know, like when when Harry is infected by something and thinks he's a member of some other. Mm-hmm. race in the delta quadrant <laughs> oh, and wants God. to stay right there are some episodes where where some individuals say you know i'm gonna stay here i'm gonna stay behind and the objection behind that from the rest of the crew tends to be when they think that individual's being coerced
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: so that presumably would not be the situation in other cases
1: mm-hmm. yeah good
2: grief this is complicated <laughs>
0: There's a lot here, like a surprising amount here when
2: you really get yeah. into it. What do people think about the Kes-Tom relationship in general? Uh,
1: I think there's something to be said about a character who is supposed to be A, very young and impressionable, and B, uh, who are we're Who are being shown is in like their first serious committed relationship, to have them go either immediately and for like full commitment and settle down with either the first or like the second even person they're in a relationship with always that always seems kind of weird to me just in terms of you make decisions when you were younger that you would not necessarily make when you were older and there are lessons about relationships that you definitely learn through the course of being in different relationships and to just be like oh yeah it's fine putting her immediately with like her first or second boyfriend ever for the rest of her life. That always strikes me as a little bit... Uh, well, it's not inter- like there's
0: a huge dating pool on Voyager. No.
1: Right? No, that's true. But at the same time, it that always just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like Anytime Prince Charming is literally the first man the princess has ever met in her
2: life, it it's is. always
1: kind of like, um, does she know if she's actually in a good relationship or not, though, if this is her first ever relationship? Well, at this point,
0: outside of this episode, Tom and Balana are starting to be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we have already seen, to this point, Tom Paris evolve from, like, our roguish character to, like, yeah. a, a more mature potential yeah. partner, right? And then we're also presented with the fact throughout the episode that Balana died in this alternate yeah. future. So right. I, I feel like Tom becomes a a much more mature much more maybe self-reflective person Mm -hmm. in in this timeline when he's with Kess. which makes me a little bit more okay with it yeah but in general like it's not neelix yeah
1: (laughs) which is a step up definitely (laughs) he
0: just he treated her so poorly and he was so possessive so petty and what we what we see in this episode with her relationship with tom even when they're not together is how supportive he is
2: of her. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I feel like this episode is really a sweet spot for me in their relationship, and it's kind of like it's like a River Song Doctor Doctor moment. Kind of like they hit the right like points in time at the right times in their lives, and mm. you know most of the rest of the arc of their relationship maybe is the points where it's not the right the stage of their lives. Because I feel like, yeah, I mean, he's not Neelix, but early on, it's it's partly like his we know like he early on that he's super cocky and basically just thinks she's cute and she is super naive and like starry-eyed about everything and in this episode she's also a lot more you know she knows like there's bad things ahead and that like the and she has this like more of this wisdom about her she's very confident and self-possessed yeah mm-hmm. and so the fact that he would have like evolved through as we've seen but then through additional periods of loss to me, it means like that they're more at the right stage in in the their interactions in in this timeline, and I I kind of like it. I was like, ah, oh, wow, I've never really been sold on this relationship, but I am sold in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harry and Linus, however, is still creepy, super creepy. <laughs> so um Susan uh, says this is perhaps the only successful iteration of poor Harry's love life.
0: <laughs> oh no, their kids cool. I'm sad at how accurate that is. It it seems they're happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But like it's I just can't get over like marrying your best friend's daughter who you uh, have known since birth. I understand the lifespan is different but even even so
1: it's just weird. Just saying, yeah, I married one of my dad's drinking buddies. <laughs> that's just uh, and the whole thing is just too twilight of having <laughs> known someone from when they were an infant and then being like oh yeah once you're an adult it's just, uh. it could
2: have been worse they could have gone for the trope where tom doesn't want harry to date his daughter uh. i wouldn't
0: want to date
1: my daughter in this situation though
0: i'm sure if this episode were longer we would have gotten that scene
2: oh uh. <laughs> But, My gosh! So the other point that Susan made that I think is tied into this is about how Linus is portrayed positively, even though she's not naturally inclined to motherhood. I mm-hmm. thought that was a nice moment where she is just like massively doubting herself and Kes is able to reassure her that her, her son will be great. Although definitely I thought it was better than the part where Kes tells Tom, you'll be fine moments after his partner dies.
0: <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
0: that Jeez. that was rough. And also, immediately after Kess gives birth, and Tom says, "I love you," and Kess says, "We need to talk."
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, "Oh, sorry." There's a message coming in. Oh, voyagers being attacked. But like, if that was me, like I would have frozen like ice cold in that moment and been like, "What? whoa, What? I'm not doing anything until you tell me what you mean." <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, back
0: back to Linus. I think. I mean I I don't have any personal direct experience with not wanting children and having one or or I should say not being inclined to motherhood and deciding to become a mother but it it feels realistic mm-hmm. you know it, my my friends who have had children my friends who are pregnant now actually will say things that they'll doubt themselves they'll say they're not sure they'll they'll wonder if it's the right time and mm-hmm. I think I think that's rare on TV, especially at this point on TV in the nineties.
1: Yeah. We definitely have this kind of reverent image of motherhood of being something still in this day and age as something women are just supposed to do at some point. And for some people that's not something they want to and that's okay. And sometimes it's something that you kind of come into. And that's also okay. There's a lot of different ways it can be shown.
0: There's also this idea that once you have your child, once the child is born, you will immediately magically fall in love with it and immediately magically know what to do in every situation.
1: Yeah, you'll just all of a sudden get the motherhood software upgrade right. and know exactly <laughs> what you need to do. And it
0: just, it doesn't work that
1: way. And that's not true at all. And that's a horrible idea that really stresses a lot of new mothers out.
0: I think pretty much any time somebody says something along the lines of, you'll know what to do, or you'll know yeah. all this time. I don't know. I, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think what the real case is, is they don't have an answer for yeah. you, and they want to try and be helpful. Mm-hmm. So they give you a platitude. <laughs>
2: Joy. But before we get to our last couple of themes, let's take a minute to talk about why Text Expander's awesome. Text Expander. Let's
1: expand on this, shall we? (laughs)
0: Get ahead of your productivity in the new year with the power of Text Expander. Text Expander removes the repetition from your work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entries, spelling and message errors. Me. And trying to remember the right thing to say. Me! <laughs> <laughs> when you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type, Take your time back in the new year and increase your productivity with Text Expander. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit Textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander.
1: Awesome. You will definitely be thinking of the before and after you installed Text Expander and how much it'll change your life.
2: Nice. And it's course. <laughs> <laughs> So the last, the uh, last three themes that are on this list are time travel, the concept of medically extending one's life, and women believing women.
0: Oh, can we take the last one first? Yes. Yeah. I just, I love that scene where, where they cut back to, to the end of what I guess is ter- caretaker. And <clears throat> Kess just blurts out, I'm sorry, something is going on. You have to listen to me. And Neelix tries to shut her down. And Jane is yeah. like, nah, shut yeah. up what's going on?
1: Well, that's one of those times when you just know that Janeway's kind of been in that situation, maybe as, you know, a woman in a leadership position, or when she was starting out at Starfleet, she has had people try and talk over her and has to, and knows that she doesn't want that to happen on her ship. And that's a pretty cool moment.
2: Yeah, Susan highlighted that too, says, you know, the contrast between Neelix, who it dismisses her and apologizes to Janeway like Kess is a pet who won't stop barking. And Janeway pushes him aside and says directly to Kes, tell me more, which is very mm-hmm. Janeway. Yeah,
1: it's it's great. And that we get to go back and establish that from day one, Janeway would have been willing to believe Kess. I think that speaks strongly to her leadership.
2: Mm hmm. Later on, it isn't, like, as cut and dried uh, gender who believes her and who, who isn't, but it shows, like, that intersection when, you know, when she's an age that people are willing to listen to her, it's Janeway that listens first. Yeah, Paris also does listen later in, like, the middle of their, their time together before she's too old.
0: Yeah, I would say for the most part, it's an age thing rather than a gender thing. Yeah. With with who or when people listen to her, but the, the poor behavior is… I think, speaks more to Neelix's character at the beginning of the series.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty garbage. Mm-hmm. Just, just dispose of this whole man.
2: <laughs> Please. <laughs> yep. But um, it is a very nice Janeway cast moment, and I think that comes through in other parts of their relationship as well, like Elogium and, and other episodes where Janeway is there to, like, back kes and she is a maternal figure but she always believes her like she doesn't patronize her she respects her yeah
0: and you know what even though the the age continuity canon thing is a little bit weird i do appreciate that they they call end of life more elogium when we got elogium earlier in Mm -hmm. the series i appreciate that you know they're looking ahead to year of hell an episode in the following yeah, season yeah, yeah. and setting the stage for the Krenim and mm-hmm. the, the time torpedoes, and it it just feels very very thought through. Yeah, in terms of the rest of the series, and I think that's very well done.
1: And when that pays off, it's it's very satisfying mm-hmm. to have that have carried over.
2: Yeah, because we later get the the mention that like because of Kes getting us the frequency of the torpedoes or something or the torpedo launchers we were able to like it helped in some way well it doesn't kill janeway yes
1: yeah <laughs> which is helpful
2: yeah your captain not dying is usually a, a pretty good step in the right direction random sciencey fun fact in this Ooh. episode they they measure chronoton radiation with by rentgen or rentgen as the unit which is like, a dated measurement for radiation in tissues. Like, it, it can measure radiation in the atmosphere, and it used to be used as kind of just, like, a general radiation exposure measurement, and it's kind of dated now from, like, around the time this episode was made. So if we want to be, like, super geeky, you can be like, it's it, it came back in some point between 1998 and... <laughs> To in the 24th century, we will ad- re-adopt this unit specifically for chronoton radiation.
1: <laughs> it is all about the retro units of measurement now.
0: Mm-hmm. Jarrah's science corner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jarrah's science jargon, that's it! Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like we covered sci- or time travel a bit as a theme, you know, kind of woven throughout this this whole thing. I guess like they do have the thing at the end where people all want to know what happened to them, and then, you know, there's a very like TOS ending where Kes is like, "No time like the present," and everyone goes, "Ha ha ha!" <laughs> <laughs>
0: but they—that's uh, the interesting thing, right? Ne- Next gen for sure would have been like, "We can't disrupt the timeline. We can't. Don't tell us anything. It's not for us to know." Even though it was an alternate future, right? Which they they told in, in all good things. And Janeway just straight up like, F the DTI, tell me what's going to
2: happen and tell
0: me everything (laughs) you know about it.
2: (laughs) Well, she kind of had Tuvox approval because Tuvox like, well, Kes changed everything anyway. Right. But it's still
0: just very, it it strikes me how straightforward it is. It's not like, if you wanted
2: to tell us something about what you saw, it's like, no, tell me everything. Let's write up a report. (laughs) Kes initiates that process earlier, though, even than that. It's like the time jump before that time period. She is like, the Krennum are coming. Target the thing differently. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but yeah, Janeway is is usually the one who's more in tune with Starfleet protocols and ethics.
0: (laughs) But she does hate time travel.
2: It'd be pretty great if B'Elanna asked her, so anything happened to me? And she's like, no, nothing happens
1: to you. Everything's fine.
2: I feel like it works pretty well as a time travel episode. It's does. It's not like too, too, he- like it's it's pretty easy to, you know, just shrug off the paradoxes because, oh, well, Kes changed it. So how yeah. did yeah. that happened anyway, but it was still like an interesting story. It wasn't too convoluted. Basically, yeah. Did you have any further thoughts on the idea of like medically extending one's life beyond the need for death planning that we already covered? Well, it definitely is a conversation worth having. And
1: at the risk of sounding very morbid, I've appreciated that in the events of this past year my parents have definitely been more willing to have the conversation of this is a situation where I would like to keep going this is one where I'm okay with not Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. which
1: is again a very hard conversation to have and again one you would have expected someone with a very short lifespan
2: like Kess to have discussed with her family. I guess one of my questions was, should the doctor have been pursuing this outside of having an actual illness to treat? Like, Because normally the purpose of treatments in some case like in, in many cases, like we're not, largely we're not like trying to discover a fountain of youth every time we treat an illness. But the yeah. doctor is like proposing a treatment to just stop Kess from basically hitting a natural end of her lifespan
0: i think it depends and they obviously aren't going to tell us this in the episode because there's a limited amount of time but i I think it depends on how far he went before talking to her about it
2: Mm -hmm. right because we
0: get that scene that's at supposed to be at her party and he's saying i just had this idea this morning Mm -hmm. if that's really true if he was just sort of like musing and had this idea and wanted to talk to her before taking any action I think that's fine. I think if he had created this biotemporal chamber and just sprung it on her a few weeks later, I think that's a, a problematic situation.
2: I do feel like it it is out of character though for Kess to be like, I mean, I guess maybe it's supposed to be like, well, now she has a family, she wants to live longer and doesn't want to like leave them, but yeah, like I don't know if we were talking about the doctor having an idea being like, look, I'm a program and I'm immortal and I'm going to miss you all, so I'm going to make a chamber that all the humans can sit in and it will make it will mean <laughs> that instead of dying at an average age of like 88 they're all going to or I guess you know You know I think that actually makes a lot of sense for the doctor as a character just like don't leave me alone Yeah they're going to die like 10 years later approximately I feel like everyone in Star Trek would be like let us probe this question this more about like whether this is something we want to do
0: well I you got me thinking with this question cuz isn't one of the like measures of a civilization, increased lifespan, like the more advanced the civiliz- civilization, the
2: longer the lifespan gets. I think that's probably debatable whether that's like, I mean, I think that we we do tend to see it like that. But it's like not because it's it's because of things like sanitation and hygiene and, and medical care, right by a lot of the medical technologies and stuff we have do increase lifespans. But that wasn't like the primary goal. Right.
0: I mean, that that was exactly where I was going that you know, it's yeah. it's sanitation, it's learning, it's vaccines, mm-hmm. it's medical treatments. It's not necessarily like delaying natural death. Yeah, and it. I just wonder. We don't know much about a common society like with more advanced, just general medical treatment. Would their lifespan be more than nine years? We don't know. But like her people
2: were pretty advanced. They just lived on. Like they just didn't want to go up above the surface but they had like pretty advanced me- although i guess they didn't develop it themselves but their hygiene and stuff was pretty advanced
0: <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking everything was supposedly provided to them mm-hmm. did they develop it and would they continue to develop
2: it yeah i still feel like it's i i feel like there is room for a discussion on it like it, i mean are, are you know because of the way that season one picard ended boiler alert Are they going to just try and have golems for everybody? Mm. Like, I feel like that's the inevitable, you know, like, end of of that type of intervention. If, like, the goal of medicine is purely to extend life and not necessarily, like, regardless of quality of life or, like, to treat an illness that is going to cause death or something, but just purely not like a numbers game of how many years you're alive, then – at what point do you lose your your humanity or your you know innate right self
0: i mean it's also telling us i i feel like at the end of picard that life is special because it ends
2: yeah Hmm. so yes big big messages that that can be like could go kind of go either way in that debate
1: well now, well now i'm just falling into an existential spiral
2: again <laughs> <laughs> that's all. what we do here <laughs> I do like that we see the doctor pick a name. I like whenever we see that in like the futures and alternate things. Yeah. So he's got Dr. Van Gogh and there's Aww. also a nice moment of friendship with Kess.
0: Yep. He's also Dr. Mozart. Yep. At one point, And he has <laughs> a hair piece.
1: <laughs> that was the part that cracked me up. The,
0: the you've lost your hair <laughs> was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh. Jennifer Lean did a really good job. She did. In this episode, especially, especially in the in the first half, right where mm-hmm, she's still yeah. trying to piece everything together, and just the the confusion and the displacement that you you see come through in Cass was just really really well done.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, one of those times where we get to look at her, see her stretch her legs, and go, "Man, why didn't she get to do this more often?"
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine what that would have been like.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it would have been nice. It, it definitely showed, you know, season 3, I think shows Kess have a bit more of like a a sense of herself and more agency and more wisdom and uh, I really like that that part in her character and it's sad it didn't go much beyond that yeah it's unfortunate but I uh, definitely enjoyed rewatching this episode I really appreciated the suggestion it's a good one we've we talked about it a very tiny bit once before in our episode on ch- childbirth and pregnancy mm-hmm. and childbirth in Star Trek but we only talked about the part where where Kes is giving birth in the shuttle which is kind of out of her back yeah out of her back Yep, because that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm but you know, Tom's supportive birthing partner. Well we see the, the bit the back sack in elogium. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hmm So glad the that they stuck with that at least and I know. like
1: They're like, no, we're we're we, we made this bed, we're gonna lay in it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well she's also immediately fine afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah but, that's, I mean, that's that's very T V right very there.
2: TV. <laughs> well, it also is a um, You know, uh, we talk about that in like the child and in actually in the pregnancy and childbirth episode, we talk a lot about that because we talked about the child and we also talked about the uh, episode where Kira goes birth and it's all like an exercise in relaxation. So take a look, listen back to that episode if you want to get more into the childbirth implications of this. I did also appreciate that it clarified that Ocampans do have more than one child, which is... This was a question about around elogium, about like how do they repopulate them their species if they only have one child per two people. Mm-hmm. But the dad says, like, you're my favorite daughter, but don't tell anyone. So obviously they do have more children. But in elogium, mm-hmm. it kind of implies that they only hit that period once. But some people have speculated, you know, they might be really prone to multiple births, so they might just have like triplets and quadruplets every time. Or they it might be that like once the elogium starts you can have multiple kids, kind of but like if you don't use it the first time you lose it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the use it or lose it childbearing property.
2: I have
0: always interpreted that as as use it or lose it, right? Mm-hmm. The that yeah. it happens and you, you either have a child or you don't, and if you don't, it doesn't happen again. Yeah. But as long as you continue to have a child every time you enter elogium you will enter it again. Mm-hmm. Which who knows if that was the correct concept. That's just what's in my brain.
1: As we have said many times about many high concept and grand ideas. <laughs> 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 Do we have any, th- any final thoughts that we want to go over with this episode today? Should we rate it? What would we use as our scale of rating?
0: Whatever you like. <laughs> Shuttle craft berths? Yes. Chroniton particles. Wrenches.
2: <laughs> less and less plausible looking wigs. <laughs> I'm going to rank it four out of five awkward family baby photo sessions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to rank it uh, 3.5 out of five implausible wigs.
0: I threw all those ones out. Now I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> no. I will rank this 7 out of 10 biotemporal chambers. Mm
1: -hmm. Excellent.
2: Well, that's about all we have time for today. Jarrah, where can people find more from you online? You can find me at Jarrah Penguin. That's J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And as well, I'm at TrekkieFeminist.com. What about you,
0: Sue? You can find me on Twitter at Spaltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R.
1: And I'm Grace, and you can find me on Twitter at BonecrusherJank. That's B-O-N-E-C-R-U-S-H-E-R-J-E-N-K. You can also find me moving back and forth with incredible deja vu.
2: To learn more about our show or to contact us, visit WomenAtWarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at WomenAtWarp. You can also email us at crew at, women at Warp.com. And for more Roddenberry podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.